You're listening to the West End Frame Show. Hello and welcome to the West End Frame Show. I'm your host and West End Frame editor, Andrew Tomlins, and I forgot to warn you last week, but today I'm flying solo for a mini episode. I wish you could see me now. I'm basically in a hotel room. It's quite kind of late at night or late in the evening, and I'm kind of huddled on the floor, surrounded by things that I could use as some kind of soundproofing. So we've got extra pillows going on and towels, like a towel draped in front of me. And before I hit record, I basically spent five minutes working out which light was hissing, how to close the windows fully. Like this, this, this hotel room was just not up to scratch to be my podcast studio for the night. Um, So bear with me. I'm not going to take any photos so no one will ever know the true story and picture of of what is happening right now. We're going to make it work. Um, And I'm also slightly shook because I can't believe that this is the penultimate episode of this season before the summer break. This year is flying far too fast. It's supposed to be summer, but it's literally raining outside where I am right now. And... um, Time is going very quickly, but there is still so much to talk about and we'll have a great episode for you next week as well to wrap up the season. Um, Coming up, I'll be discussing crazy for you, hauls and a strange loop. But first, let's dive in and talk about some of this week's theatre news. So, oh my gosh, over the weekend, it was announced that the Tony award-winning musical Ain't Too Proud will bid farewell to London on Sunday, the 17th of September, which is for months sooner than originally planned. This was such hard news. So, so sad. And obviously, I'm sending so much love to all the cast and all the team who work on Ain't Too Proud. They have the most incredible bunch of people in that show, working on that show. Um, And it is so full out. The rehearsal process looks so grueling. Um, and they've just done an amazing, amazing job. And do you know what's exciting is that the cast members that are in that show will now become available for other things. And I really hope that lots of them snap up exciting jobs and go on to do amazing things, as I'm sure they will. But it's a shock, I think. It's never easy when a show announces that it's closing early. And Ain't Too Proud seems so buzzy and it's a really interesting story and has so much amazing music. And I really thought there would be an audience for it, for it to have its kind of its, its year in the West End. It was always a limited run because we knew that MJ the Musical would begin performances at the Prince Edward Theatre in March. So watch this space and I guess we'll see if something else comes in, if a tour comes in, or if the theatre will just go dark for a few months because I guess MJ opens in March, they'll be kind of in there in February. So they've had to get something in there in like September, October, November time just for Christmas. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what happened there. But I will definitely be going back to the Prince Edward to go and see Ain't Too Proud at least one more time um, because there's so many icons in that show, so many incredible, incredible performers. 
it was also it was a sad day on Sunday because we also found out that New York, New York will close on Broadway literally in one week's time. They just celebrated their 100th show and then it was announced that New York, New York will close after eight more performances, which just seems so savage. It's a reminder actually that on Broadway... You know, it's just been it's so sad when we hear that Ain't Too Proud is closing in two months and suddenly that cast are plunged into unemployment when they're not planned for it financially or emotionally or, you know, it's, it's their job, it's their livelihood. Um, but the cast of New York, New York, literally getting one week's notice that they're losing work when the show is booking well into next year is horrendous it's crazy that that still happens on broadway i really loved new york new york i thought it was really charming it really slightly charmed me the design was amazing um and the music was great it was a good story and it felt like i think they were onto something because it's such a it felt like it was the show that tourists should go and see if they're in town if you're in you go to new york where do you start well you go and see new york new york it was perfect it was charming it celebrated all things nyc but i think it's going off a new west tour and i'd be really intrigued to see if it can have some sort of future life so i think it's put together really well and actually it was a bit of an underdog of the kind of last season it kind of was actually the one that was really high quality but maybe was overlooked by some people um it just picked up one tony award and it's kind of a tragedy of that i guess because they're probably hoping that the tony awards would would pick things up if more were to go in their direction so again sending love to everybody working on ain't too proud and everybody working on new york new york such such sad news Next up, we need to discuss the musical I Should Be So Lucky, which is set to tour the UK, taking audiences on a nostalgic ride. I Should Be So Lucky features the music of Stock Aiken Waterman, uh, the legendary trio of producers who shaped the pop music landscape of the 80s and 90s. And this week, casting was announced for the tour and it was revealed, (laughs) this is the best thing ever, that Kylie Minogue will make digital appearances throughout the show, portraying a specially created character unique to the musical. I am so intrigued. We all loved it when uh, Dolly Parton popped up in 9 to 5 and I'm looking forward to seeing how this works. Obviously, if it's like Dolly in 9 to 5 and we get kind of screens and projections, that would be great. But I'm holding out for like an Abba Voyage style hologram or something, surely. So we feel like Kylie is literally there in all these regional UK venues. That would be the best thing ever. Uh, The show is written by Debbie Izzet from Nativity and it centres around a young couple on the brink of a life-changing journey marriage. Uh, It features songs from the likes of Kylie, of course, as well as Jason Donovan, Rick Astley, Banana Rama, and more. And it sounds like they're going for that kind of nostalgic, kind of easy crowds pleaser type of songs. I guess I'm intrigued to see how this music comes to play and how cheesy and cliche it is, or if actually the story is able to find heart and how it all works. Um, Not only will we have Kylie kind of projected in this show, but in real life, in 3D, the cast would include Kayla Carter, who is incredible, uh, Matthew Croak from Aladdin, Jessica Daly, Melissa Jake, Scott Page, Giovanni Spano, Lucy May Summer, and more. Really, really strong cast uh, who really jumped out when this was announced. Uh, I Should Be So Lucky will open at the Manchester Opera House in November. 
In some other news, Rochelle Ango will reprise her performance as Eliza Hamilton in the international tour of Hamilton, which kicks off in Manila this September. Uh, Stephen Pasquale, Amber Gray and the West End's very own Tracy Bennett will star in Stephen Sondheim's final musical, Here We Are, Off-Broadway, directed by Joe Mantello. This is major news and obsessed that Tracy Bennett is going over to New York to do that. Uh, Huge congrats to Richard Carson, Lauren Jones and Cara Lane and all the wonderful people who have been cast in the long-awaited UK premiere of Rebecca at the Charing Cross Theatre from September. Frankie Bridge from the Saturdays and S Club Juniors is set to make her West End debut in the play 222, A Ghost Story, which shockingly I still haven't seen, uh, next month, taking over the role of Lauren after Sophia Bush had to withdraw from the production due to illness. Kelly Price, Charlotte Kennedy and Nathaniel Campbell and lots of other wonderful people will star alongside Jenna Russell in Flowers for Mrs. Harris at Riverside Studios. Uh, the Bonnie and Clyde West End cast recording will be released on Friday the 28th of July, which I know everybody is losing their minds about. Uh, Kieran Hill and Lydia White are taking over as Miss Trunchbull and Miss Honey in the West End production of Matilda. And then we found out that the theatre Royal Bath revival of Noises Off will return to the West End for a run at a theatre Royal Haymarket from September with Felicity Kendall, Jonathan Coy and Alexander Hansen set to reprise their performances. It is all going on. Let's jump on in to some show talk. And I said last week I had a lovely week. I had another wonderful week at the theatre this week, loving the stuff that I got to see. Uh, so first up, I finally caught up with Crazy For You, which following its run in Chichester has transferred to the Gillian Lynn Theatre for a sixth month season. Uh, this is obviously a classic Gershwin musical and it's directed and choreographed by multi-Tony and Olivier award winner Susan Stroman. We bow down and are not worthy. And Susan has been busy recently because she was also at the helm of New York, New York on Broadway, which we're just talking about. So having originally premiered on Broadway in 1992, Crazy For You tells the story of Bobby Child who's torn between his showbiz dreams and running the family bank as you do. Uh, but basically he falls for this girl called Polly, uh, the daughter of a theatre owner in Nevada and to save the theatre and to win Polly's love Bobby decides to put on a show featuring dancers from the Zangler Follies in New York City. It's classic old school Broadway charm and it's one of those old school shows which we love to see, like 42nd Street, about people dreaming of making it big in show business and becoming a star and enjoying the beauty of the theatre. Um, you can't kind of go wrong if you fancy that sort of old school, charming, classic musical with amazing dancing. I basically don't think that Crazy For You gets better than this. The whole thing is stunning. It ticks all the boxes. But then where it kind of goes above and beyond is I think Susan Stroman has just put so much detail in there with the whole creative team. There's some really great touches. 
it feels like the show's been put together with so much care. It's glorious. There's just moments, if you've seen it, you'll know Charlie Stemp is doing his big dance number towards the end and he does a jump and he kind of jumps into a spotlight and it goes off just as he hits the kind of top point in the air. Moments like that where everyone just gasps together. There's lots of small kind of moments in all different elements of the production that really make you go, wow, they've gone above me on. This is hardcore. This is totally stunning. This is glorious Broadway as you want to see it. Um, not kind of a cheap and easy production. It stays true to it whilst also being slick and having a freshness to it, I think, as well. Um, Charlie Stamp, as you will have heard, is phenomenal as Bobby. This is the most perfect role for him. I guess it's hard because he so firmly established himself when he did Half a Sixpence as this star and obviously amazing in Mary Poppins. I saw him um, doing a play at some point, but Bobby is a perfect role for him. He gets to do everything that he's good at. He gets to charm. Charm is like the buzzword today, but he gets to charm the hell out of the audience. Um, he gets to kind of sing like in a showman sort of way and then just gets to live his best life choreographically and unleash himself with his dancing. He's able to express so much. It is so, so wonderful. He is so strong and I feel like he will win all the awards hopefully as well as Carly Anderson, who plays Polly. And I'm so happy that she was cast as Polly. It was such a great casting decision. Uh, Carly, you might not be aware of her. I saw her as Glinda in Wicked. She did the international tour, but it did a stop in Bradford. <laughs> and I remember doing a road trip to Bradford to go and see that. Um, she was Kira in Xanadu with Samuel Edwards. She is so talented and she is such a strong Polly. So demanding, but so funny and finds the heart and kind of isn't snooty about it. And is just an incredible performer. Like her rendition of Someone to Watch Over Me is just perfect and she holds it and makes it feel intimate but is able to deal with the grandness of it all um and I really really highly rate her and um, also there's incredible supporting comedic performance from the one and only Natalie Kasanga um who plays Irene and is so funny um throughout and I'm so pleased the character I don't I don't really I have seen Crazy View like a few times before but I don't know the show that well. And I couldn't remember what Irene gets up to. But basically, she had a number in Act 2, which she aced. So she's seduced the audience. There were so many brilliant comedy actors. Um, but Natalie held her own, pulled off some amazing looks, gave us the kind of deep, luscious vocals that we needed. Um, and was just totally hilarious. Such a departure from doing you know, Dina um, in Dreamgirls, which was the last one I saw her in. And it was just so great to see her being given an opportunity to show us everything she can do. I was obsessed. And then, you know, George and Ira Gershwin's music is timeless. There are so many standout moments. I got rhythm, embraceable you. Uh, they can't take that away from me. There's so many hits in that show. If you listen to Magic of the Musicals, they're always playing stuff from Crazy For You. Um, and it's lovely. I'm really pleased I saw it. There's such a place for this sort of show in the West End. And when these shows are revived, if we're going to go down the classical route, you want to see it done really well. And I feel like 
Susan Stroman knows the assignment very well and totally has pulled it off. And the audience was going crazy, which was great. So Crazy For You runs at the Gillian Lynn Theatre through to Sunday the 20th of January. Next up, I went to see the brand new musical Halls, which has music and lyrics by George Stroud and Jennifer Harrison. And it's receiving this kind of developmental production run at the Turbine Theatre. It basically means that during the run, the creative team are still working on the material um, and fine-tuning the piece and playing around with it, trying to find their feet. Halls previously had an online reading in 2020 before being workshopped as part of MT Fest in 2022. The show is about eight first-year university students from different backgrounds who all end up living together in the same flat. And we see their highs and lows as they navigate their this kind of new world that they find themselves in and discover their identities and kind of discover the frustration of no one else doing washing up or using your last drop of milk and all those sorts of important life lessons that I believe you learn at university, but... For me, the whole piece was kind of like a reminder of the reasons why I didn't want to go to university. Um, the show has been directed by Andy Fickman, who, of course, is beloved for directing Heathers. And they've cast it really well. The cast are incredible. They're playing here with a lot of observational comedy like the characters feel real their kind of personality profiles that we all know kind of stereotypical but not in a two-dimensional way too much like I guess sometimes the humor is kind of basic and relying on stereotypes but the music I think brings out some great depths in these characters which is really nice to see um they're able to have so much fun with the humor and style of it and all eight cast members have so many standout moments. Like they get to showcase insane vocals and have emotional solo numbers. But there's just some hilarious group numbers with kind of high, fast-paced choreography that kind of come out of nowhere, which I think set the show apart from other pieces that might be a bit similar. Like it's so much more than a kind of a song cycle or other pieces which might kind of try to do something almost similar. And the music is great. Like, there are lots of bops, and it's sincere it needs to be. It finds heart. And it, it, like I said, it kind of goes in different directions and surprises you. There's so much excellent material in there. Like, if I was involved in working on this show, which I'm not, um, I'd be like, the music's there. The music's ready. People would want to stream this on Spotify and take this material to concerts and auditions and, you know, drama school acting through song lessons and stuff there's so much there I think where it maybe needs further development and further work if anyone were to ask me um which they probably aren't uh would be on the book and the scenes I didn't feel like the scenes always flowed maybe like some bits were a little bit forced from a kind of a writing perspective and they always ended up in nice places and had some great comedy and their songs were well placed but I just think the, the text would do a tightening up and almost maybe being well, I was going to contradict myself and say looser I just feel like maybe they could take some risks and take the writing in some different directions to surprise us like how the music does um, but yeah the whole company were amazing I can't even talk about standouts because then the, the voices in there were just incredible and 
all really funny and lots of bright talents who I'm sure will go on to do incredible things. Um, and you can see Halls at the Turbine Theatre through to the 30th of July. So this is your last week and your last chance to go and see it. Finally, I went back to see A Strange Loop, which is running at the Barbican. I was there on press night. I feel like that was like a month ago. And if you listen to this podcast, then you would have heard I had lots of thoughts. And lots of them were surrounding the themes that this show is tackling. Go back, a li- if you haven't before, go and, you know, read stuff online or listen to the other episode where I was talking about it. But basically... It's exploring queer black identity through the eyes of Usher, who is this person with a dream of writing a musical and the musical is about him writing a musical about him writing a musical. And we see his trauma and we see his journey with identity and, and it's a lot and it's heavy. And even I did an interview with Cara Mar Freeman, who's incredible over here from Broadway. And again, I feel like in that chat, we spoke a lot about how it feels and the themes. And anyway, I'm babbling. I sat down and watched this show, this time on the front row. And I think I was able to delve further. And I didn't even realise at the time that I just had the most incredible experience. I loved it more this time and I was able to appreciate so many of the details I mean it's such a conflicting watch and it's so interesting to discuss with other people their takeaways from the show and there's so many moments where they're dealing with huge things like there's a song about AIDS for example which is a massive topic and comes with so much history and stuff and there's kind of comedy thrown in there it's almost like Some people are laughing. Some people are mortified. Some people don't know how to feel. It's evoking such strong responses. And it's almost testing you as an audience member. And it's really charging you up to have different conversations. So that was one takeaway. was kind of lots of the juxtaposition that happens. But then I realised that um, the first song was stuck in my head. And I realised the first song when I saw it the first time. Anyway, I, I saw it for the second time on Friday. By Sunday... I was listening to it on repeat and now I'm suddenly hooked. And it's so funny because I did not have that reaction the first time. It's like I've fallen in love with the material and now I'm listening to it again and again and again. And it's almost like I didn't take the music in properly the first time because I was trying to digest all of the story and all of the themes and all of the issues and working out what I was thinking and it was triggering so much within me. Um, and then this time... I enjoyed the music more and was taking the choreography and appreciating the multi-rolling that the cast do. And then now I'm just literally obsessed with the music. I think it's incredible. And there's so many amazing nods in there to different uh, musicals and like pop culture. And it's like I'm having a whole revelation and seeing the show in a whole different way. And I want to go again because I'm listening to some bits which I just don't recognise from the show and I'm trying to work out if they've made changes or if there's just some bits, some lyrics that I haven't properly taken in but i it live and I'm basically low-key hooked and I would say that kind of happens a couple of times a year for me with different musicals that I see and out of nowhere a strange leap has suddenly really got me and I'm hooked and I want to know more and I want to understand it, I want to delve deeper Um and I'm really, really excited. And you only have through to the 9th of September to see it. This show 
what I think I was getting at last time when I was talking about it is that it's not for everybody. Some people are not ready to have this conversation. They're not going to understand this conversation. They're not going to understand the themes that is being addressed. And also some people are in every right to not go and see it because it's exploring trauma, which is so real and relevant to them that it could be a really hard hitting experience that you just might not want to uh, you know, go through. Other people will be seeing their story and their reality being represented on a commercial stage for the first time and it'll be life changing. Other people will go and will totally be able to relate to it in a more kind of universal way, which will can maybe be like a key unlocking a door to their understanding uh, someone's experience as a queer black man in this world. So it's interesting. There's lots to take away and there's lots of conversations to be had. I would, I think I said this before, I would love to stand outside the theatre and to talk to every single audience member who sees it during its run at the Barbican because there'll be some people who will sit down at that in their seat having no idea what they're about to watch and must be kind of mortified because it's, you know, the language in there is is shocking and out there and the themes they're exploring are are severe but it's so important and it's really clicked into place for me and I really really like it. So I've said it already but A Strange Loop runs at the Barbican through to Saturday the 9th of September. And there we go. Thank you so much for joining me for this mini solo lonely episode of the West End Frame Show. Thank you for keeping me company whilst I sat on the floor of my hotel room, um, kind of trying to prop up this microphone so it reaches my mouth whilst working out how to stop the echo and all the hissing in the background. Um, if you appreciate my hard work and enjoy this episode, hit subscribe, hit follow, and you could even leave us an Apple podcast or Spotify rating or review. Uh, we love hearing from you, so follow West End Frame on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. Check out our interviews podcast in the frame and I'll be back next week for one last time this season for another stagey catch up. <laughs> <laughs>